This is Hans Scheil from the Finishing Well podcast. On Finishing Well, we help you make godly choices about Medicare, long-term care, and your money. Your chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just seconds. Enjoy it, share it, but most of all, thank you for listening and choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Coming to you from an entrenched barricade deep in the heart of Central North Carolina. Masculine Journey After Hours. A time to go deeper and be more transparent on the topic covered on this week's broadcast. So sit back and join us on this adventure. The Masculine Journey After Hours starts here, now. Welcome to Masculine Journey After Hours. And we are in the middle of a shame fest right now. No, we're not. We're in the middle of breaking shame. That's what we're trying to do. We are... We've been doing a series, and Rodney, if you'd help us with the series, it's been a series, it's been a pillar series. Yeah, that's the old uh, masculine journey term for a series of anything. Right. Pillars. Pillars. Because the original series that you guys did on the pillars of the masculine journey was a pillar series. Started with four and ended with like 45. I don't know. It was a lot. It's still going today. It's still going. (laughs) We're still trying to do it. Yeah. Never ending. So we started off with week one with unforgiveness which is the tools of the enemy tools of the enemy yep, yep. and our toolbox yep. of the enemy right what you brought up i like that too and then we went to agreements which was to get into the vows and the bitter roots that are caused there within the agreements then we got into busyness got so busy we forgot what we were talking about that's why <laughs> i actually have it on my phone now so we can remember <laughs> and then we went into condemnation then we took a week off and did father's day and then we jumped back in with neglect marginalization, which kind of leads into the orphan spirit, which ties in very much, again, with shame. And if you're seeing a pattern here like, hey, these blend into each other, these kind of complement each other with the enemy, and that's what he does with them. He's like, oh, if I can hit you with a little of this, a little of that, and I can just keep you right where you're at, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think I'm going to change what we call it. It's the enemy's, like, uh, paint kit, <laughs> right? Well, you since you're a painter. <clears throat> yeah, you need, you need all these different you know colors, colors. to make the – the picture up here, right? And so he uses them all against us very, very well. Yeah, he put, paints a canopy of all kinds of different things that are all they're aimed to Satan's do is keep palette. you away. Yeah. Satan's Ooh, palette. Satan's palette. Now yeah. we're getting there. Oh, it sounds yeah. like a pillar. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like someplace in Vegas. I don't know. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> don't go there. If you see that on yeah, the moniker, mm, don't go. Yeah. Not, the, not the place I want to visit. Andy, do you want to say something? No? Okay. You just, you're just looking at me. I just wanted to. Well, I have a clip. I'll go ahead and talk about mine, and then we'll come back, and a little bit later we'll play, we'll play uh, Danny's. This is from a, a show, a thing on YouTube called The Butterfly Circus. We've talked about it on the air quite a few times. It's a great 20-minute little movie by an independent uh, film company that is not a Christian-based film company. That's the coolest thing, but it tells the story of God's redemption, especially through shame, going from shame into calling and you know identity into freedom, you know, and that's a story. And I hope I'm not ruining it for you, but it's so worth watching. And so what we're going to pick up is at the very beginning of the show, you have a master of ceremonies, a guy that runs a circus that's about redemption, healing, restoration. And he comes to another circus that he, he sees a sideshow. And so he walks into the sideshow. And when he walks in this particular room, a guy's introducing one of the people that's in the sideshow. And this person is, in real life, does not have any arms, doesn't have any legs. One, he has one little foot thing that he's able to get around and do stuff. 
um, but it's it's tr- truly who he is. But listen to how this person talks about him in the sideshow. That not not the good uh, master ceremony, but the uh, carnival barker. And so we'll go ahead and play it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, gather in a perversion of nature, a man. You could even call him that, whom God himself has turned his back upon. I give you the limbless man. Look at that. left all that laughter in intentionally you know, from that clip because, yeah, it's horrible what that person's saying at the beginning, you know, perversion of nature, a man, if you can call him that, who God himself has turned his back upon. I mean, that would be hard enough to take, right? But then you hear initially there's a little bit of shock. There's a little bit, maybe there's going to be some compassion, and then it goes completely the opposite way. And the video actually gets worse from there when you're watching it, you know, and, and and that's how the enemy uses others to cement that story in. I don't think any of us could not have to think back to a playground incident at some point where we weren't the person that was being laughed at, right? And the shame that you feel on that and just a lifetime of the enemy trying to pile on more and more evidence that you are that shame person. Right? You are that sin, you are that car, the, the hand you've been dealt in life instead of who you really are in God. And, and so for me, that, that's a very powerful one on shame just because it really hits at the core and it even attacks God's integrity in the midst of it. Because the enemy doesn't leave God out of the equation. That's, that's one of his go-tos. You know, where, was, where was God when all this happened? Right? Where was God when you were molested? Where was this happen- When this happened, where was God? Why didn't God save you when the kids were picking on you? Right? So it's attack against you and also against your Savior that's going to help you get out of it. He just tries to lock you down and cement you in there. Yeah, and you got, like, Robbie, we were just talking, like, in, in the break between shows, like, oh, man, Robbie's like, oh, I've got lots of shame. You want me to share some shame? i got all <laughs> kinds of things to share. And if you start thinking about it, it's like, where did you hide? Where was it that you were just hiding something? It's like, oh, there was shame because that's why you hid it because you're naked and you were wanting to hide. And Robbie had the banana pants story. And I'm like, you know, I just reminded him, I was like, man, when I was, it was just one of those things. I mean, he uses the smallest things. I had the high water pants. Cause I'm like, okay, I was a little taller. I didn't quite, my pants were older. I, I'm, I didn't care. But then when you got picked on, and got called a name. Oh, I just remember feeling like, Oh my gosh, I'm such a loser. I keep my pants aren't even long enough or something. Something as small as that all the way up to you're older. And then it's the masturbation. It's the porn. It's mm-hmm. all the other stuff. And you're the pervert. You're what are you doing? You know, here and you, you got other things just ruining your life. and You can't control anything anymore. And that's the devil at work. That's mm-hmm. taking something very, very small, building on all those little small things that you would think, ah, that's pretty innocent. 
But the next thing you know, it's very powerful and the other things that, because you've allowed yourself to live in that for so long. Even if you've had, thank you, even if you've had success, right? I think of the times that, you know, I, I strive to be a good father, right? But just mess up once in any way and the, the attack is completely upon you. You know, that you're a horrible father and, you know, all these things, even though it's not true, it feels so incredibly true. Andy? Sorry. It's okay. I'll, you caught me off guard. Um, Grant had a point, though, you know, the shame that we see in the world. You know, that it's a great perspective. It's not God's view. It's not. I mean, we... The shame comes from the enemy. It's never God's view. The The idea is to get everybody to believe that shame that is put on you of whatever it is. But it, we have to remember that it, go, it, it goes back to what God's view is. It goes back to your clip. When it's like, well, God's turned his back on you. Well, we know that was a lie, but that's not. that wasn't God's view. But the enemy and all his minions will try to tell you that. Right. You know, in Will's story, thankfully, God sends a redemptive community to be around him. Right mm-hmm. to help find that way, right? and whether as we're talking on the previous show, whether that's a one-person community, right, or more, it has to begin with one. And so, praying, God, bring bring one person that I can walk through this with. David, did you have something you want to share? Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to go back to what Andy was just saying with what Grant shared, and it, it got me thinking earlier uh, when we were talking in the room, and, and Grant and you'd asked him. Um, are you saying God is the one causing the shame, or is it more of Him allowing it? And and I don't. I want to kind of turn it a little bit because then He said no fertilizing it. But to overcome our shame and everything like that, we have to confess it, like we talked about with our band of brothers. And I think God's really fertilizing that to kind of grow our strength in Him. I mean, in Romans ten verse eleven, it says everyone who believes in Him um, will not be put to shame. I think that's a growth process, though. It's not like you're going to just automatically stand up and be like, "Yep, yep, no shame, nope." Yep. So I think God uses the tools that the enemy is hitting us with to show us that, you know, we are growing stronger and we're getting stronger. I know in my personal life for sure, 100%. You know, I mean, I committed adultery when I was younger in my first mm-hmm. marriage, and, and you know, that really took a long time to get over that mm-hmm. and, and break the shame from it, but that ultimately grew me into a better husband than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my opinion, you know, ho- hopefully my wife's opinion is the same way. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to let the enemy shame me with that area, but, you know, um, it's, it's really a, just a growth growth growing in him you know i I feel like to uh just story it's not really a story it's kind of what happened so i guess middle age 30s 40s i remember going to the grocery store and i would occasionally run onto somebody i hadn't seen for a long time and i'd go down the other aisle didn't want to be seen just wanted to kind of blend in. Definitely didn't want to see them. I didn't want to have the conversation. Hey, what are you doing? What's your job? I was doing well or whatever, but, you know, I just didn't want to get into that. And, and that's the sad thing about it is, is that it's you shame can make you very self-conscious and focused mm-hmm. on you. Well, it wasn't always, it wasn't necessarily about me. I'm Christian during this time. I know who God is, but I don't want anybody to see me or know me. Well, that's totally opposite of what the gospel teaches if we're we're to be out there as ambassadors for him well we're robbing the world we're robbing the world of of a blessing from god when we pull back and allow shame from us that prevents us from being who we are 
Thanks, man. Now I'm feeling shame about not doing that. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. I was feeling pretty good about myself until you just went off with that one. <laughs> you, you still struggling with that one, I, Sam? I, I hide from people all the time. It's like, I just don't really want to talk to people. You can call it introverted. I guess it's just shame-filled. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for sharing. Danny, do you want to tell us about your clip, or do you want to tell us about something else? I was going to tell you about something else. Well, tell us about something else. We'll get to your clip in a little well, bit. Well, adding on to what Andy and I were saying, um, been reading the Bible chronologically, mm-hmm. or as chronological as he is, as Barney would say. But um, the uh, and been in the book of Job, and you know, Job's friends obviously piled a bunch of shame on him right. for twenty some chapters. It feels like or something. So. And but it's interesting the way God approaches Job, and I, and I read this this morning, and and the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, "Who is this that dark, darkened counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now your loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me." And what He's telling him is to man up and to answer the questions, because God's going to address who He is. That God's going to speak into His life. But he's, but it, you know, and I think it, I took it as he speaks to us that way. It says, "Rise up like a man, the man I made you, and answer the question." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it may be an answer you don't want to give, but answer the question and and own who you are. And and I, that was just so powerful to me this morning. So that's good. Thank you, Harold. Do you have something to share? Well, shame. Is something that we can bring on ourselves, but it's also something that can be put on us by others. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when I was a youngster growing up, uh, I've mentioned before that my father had a problem with alcohol, and I was ashamed to be out in public when he had been seen staggering down the sidewalk. I remember playing high school football as a senior and really not wanting my father to come to the game to watch me because I figured he'd be drinking and be a spectacle. And that was a hard thing for me to overcome. And uh, fortunately, as as the years went by and I became an adult and a father myself, uh, I began to realize that he had an illness I I used to think it was just weakness, but uh, I really think that people have a susceptibility to alcohol, and I don't know how you know ahead of time that you do or you don't, but I was bound and determined that it would not ruin my life like it had his to a certain extent and my mother's, uh, you know, my mother crying her eyeballs out over and over and over, even from the time I was old enough to remember anything. And so shame haunted me for the longest kind of time. Mm-hmm. But it also became a driving force behind me to, that I was determined that I would be something. And so it, it forced me to exert efforts that I might not otherwise have done. Thank you, Harold. Robbie? So, you know, one of the current challenges, you know, that I face, I'm, I have a feeling many do, so I don't think I'm the only one, but, man, I feel like I am behind 
in everything. <laughs> like my yard, I'm behind. Keeping up with what I need to do with my kids, I'm behind. <laughs> Keeping up with what I'm supposed to do at church, I'm behind. Keeping up with what I'm supposed to do at work, like, oh my goodness. You know, can't you keep up? Don't you, you know, and 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 so it's not like you you grow up and you, you know, all of a sudden you're not wearing high waters anymore. <laughs> the whole world is looking at your yard, man, and thinking, dude, can't you do something about them weeds? <laughs> and 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 it 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 gets back to, you know, here comes this attack. It's coming this morning. It's coming tomorrow afternoon. And and whatever. And so God gives us plenty of opportunities to get naked and 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 ask him to come alongside us and 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 get his view of these things because man, I mean, this isn't something that's a small potato part of my life. It's right there, and it's it's something to deal with right now. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny that you know what you hear the world <laughs> preaching is acceptance in all different forms, right? But it's a very shameful society at the same time. You know, one thing's said, but another thing's practiced. And that just shows you, you know, that the world is a part of the enemy's playground, right? That he has a lot of influence in those arenas, and, and you can see the fruit play out in it. But, uh, Danny, you have a clip? Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? I do. I have a, a clip from Star Trek Next Generation, and y'all kind of shamed me about that, I think, <laughs> during the pre-show. But it was Rodney. It was Rodney. <laughs> we never shame you. See, never. <laughs> yeah, see, there's an agreement. So a whole other pillar right there. Um, but it's from early on in, in Next Generation, and, and it's an interchange between the character Q, who is part of these immortal Creatures that Beings. rule the universe or whatever. And so he's got Picard on trial. Picard is the captain, if you don't know, of the Enterprise. So some of you don't know. And shame on you. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. So he's got him on trial, and he's trying humanity, and, and Picard is the representative. And he's just shaming him on everything and, and – Picard's argument is, hey, we've done this, this, and this, and he's not buying into the shame, but Q is persistent, as you'll hear. So, The trial never ended, Captain. We never reached a verdict. But now we have. You're guilty. Guilty of what? Of being inferior. Seven years ago, I said we'd be watching you, and we have been hoping that your ape-like race would demonstrate some growth, give some indication that your minds had room for expansion. But what have we seen instead? You worrying about Commander Riker's career, listening to Counselor Troy's pedantic psychobabble, indulging data in his witless exploration of humanity. We've journeyed to countless new worlds. We've contacted new species. We have expanded our understanding of the universe. In your own paltry, limited way, you have no idea how far you still have to go. But instead of using the last seven years to change and to grow, you have squandered them. We are what we are, and we're doing the best we can. It is not for you to set the standards by which we should be judged. Oh, but it is, and we have. Time may be eternal, Captain, but our patience is not. It's time to put an end to your trek through the stars 
make room for other more worthy species. You're going to deny us travel through space. <laughs> you obtuse piece of flotsam. You are to be denied existence. Humanity's fate has been sealed. You will be destroyed. Q, I do not believe that even you are capable of such an act. I? There you go again, always blaming me for everything. Well, this time I'm not your enemy. I'm not the one that causes the annihilation of mankind. You are. Me? That's right. You're doing it right now. You did it before, and you'll do it yet again. What sort of meaningless double talk is this? He doesn't understand! <laughs> I have only myself to blame. I... You know, back to, to Robbie's point is, one of my favorite phrases, Robbie, is that God, God puts us here with a certain amount of things to do, and I'm so far behind I may never die. So... <laughs> um, but, you know, the shame of that and the shame of, you know, Picard is making the case of, you know, we've done this, this, and this, and, and you know, the enemy comes along and says, you know, you try to do the right thing, but yet he points out all the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can remember back in 94 when I went to treatment, you know, for alcoholism, drug addiction, and we had to do an exercise, and I don't know if I've told this or not, but we had to write out our life story. And that was one of the most painful things I had ever done because I wrote down all these things and I'm just self-loathing anyway because here <laughs> I am in a treatment center. My life is in the toilet. And so I write it down. It takes me a couple of days to get it all sorted out. And then we had to go into – it was there was 12 of us, 12 guys, and then the director was in there. And we had to read our story. And I did not want to read my story. And I am in tears the whole time. And – because what I felt like in my heart was that, you know, God doesn't want anything to do with me because I've made such a mess of my life. And I would have not known how to vocalize that at the time. And I have gotten done reading my story and the director. Now, I just told you how I felt in my heart. I hadn't shared that with anybody. And he goes, man, what a mess. If I was God, I really wouldn't want anything to do with that. And he wasn't being mean, but he was he – was, trying to make the point of God does want something to do with that. And it was very redeeming later on, but, you know, to deal with it and, and to man up and go, okay, now I have a responsibility not to participate in the things and try to put my life back together. But the enemy is relentless. And so. He is. Yeah. When you were talking about what the director said, it reminds me of something in the Butterfly Circus when the um, master ceremony character uh, says the same thing to Will. You know, and you think, why is he being so incredibly cruel? You know, a a man, if you can call him that, you know, who God himself has turned a back upon. And Will's like, why would you say that? Why would you say that? He said, because you believe it. And God will come in, and he won't. He'll mimic those things, but it's to break us free. Right to to say, okay, you have to change the way you're looking at this. You have to change the way you're thinking. And we talked about the Satan's palette thing that Robbie termed, which mm-hmm. is awesome. That the way he does it, but you, it starts with a simple agreement. And you have this agreement that you know I'm on my own. No one's coming to help me. You know, I got to do this myself. Right, and that becomes a vow that I can't trust anybody because they're not going to come for me anyway. Right? And so you try to live your life in this way, and, and you're trying to do everything on your own, and then when it doesn't work out, 
the enemy's right on the backside of that saying, see, you didn't have what it takes anyway. Right? Where was God? Why didn't God bail you out? And he starts attacking God. And then all of a sudden you have this shame and you have this vow and you have this agreement and you have this distance from the person that can get you out of it. And he uses the other tools we've talked about to enhance that, but that's always his goal to break us free from the Redeemer, to break that, that lifeline is what he's trying to do. Right? And so he's going to use whatever it takes to do that. You know, he's going to use screwdriver, hammer, or whatever he calls them, right, yeah. out of his toolbox to, to do that for, uh, against us. Well, the first time you played the Butterfly Circus mm-hmm. at boot camp, I thought about that very moment in my life. It, I thought that is the same kind of thing that happened to Will that happened to Danny. It, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Did you go swimming? Will yeah. did. Okay. I, just I am amphibious. We've already established that. <laughs> we did talk about that. We did talk about that. Anyone else have anything you'd like to, to talk about before we uh, end up this show? Well, I just, Danny's clip is to me a picture of what I see in the world today. You get attacked on all kinds of stuff with no explanation. It's just, no, you just, I'm just saying you're bad. This is why, because I said so. And don't look at me. I don't. You can't judge me. I, I You can't do that at all. I'm just going to judge you. And I'm going to throw all kinds of stuff on top of you. I'm just going to pile it on. Even if you say you're not like that or you don't do anything, it doesn't matter because I said you are. And then, like you just said before, the whole society is just a melting pot of just scum. And we see horrible things going on every day. And it's like, oh, don't look at that. That's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's mostly good. And when you're looking at it on TV and you're like, no, it's about almost every bit of it's bad back in the picture, but yet they're saying other things. That's what's going on in that clip. I, it, it's, it's just sad that we can't be honest with ourselves. Thank goodness for Bob Uecker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking Bob Newhart right now. Just stop it. <laughs> but it, it's just so, so hard for anybody to get past our – present view of things we just we, we live where we're at right now and it's like no you have to look to eternity you have to look into god's view of where things are at where things are going and his promises he tells you what's going to happen it's hard for us to always grasp and believe in the, in the moment of whatever the heated passion thing that we're into because the emotions and feelings want to overrule but you have to really turn that around and let what you know in God's word rule your feelings and emotions, which is hard. It is hard. I want to talk a little bit about something we said on the show before. It came from my pastor, Mike. He may have gotten it from somebody else, but Satan knows your name and calls you by your sin, right? And God knows your sin, but calls you by your name. And so if you're hearing anything other than God's loving voice calling your name, it's not coming from God. So walk with him. We'll talk with you next week. This is the Truth Network.